morning on this beautiful Sunday. It's Father's Day, and it is just a gorgeous day looking out the window. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. You're listening to Garden Talk. If you have a question, feel free to give us a call, 1-877-332-8255. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Happy Father's Day. There we go. Happy (laughs) Father's Day, Dad. I just want to start with that and uh, start with how great of a mentor you've been to me and uh, to our grandkids and to my sister and my brother. I know uh, Nikki and Luke would also want me to say happy Father's Day to you too, but you've definitely been the rock of our family and we love you so, so much. Well, we're all the rocks. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We're all the rocks. So, yeah, and then uh, happy Father's Day to Opa. Um, I know he's probably listening to today, the founder of Dutch Growers, and... uh yeah. Well, I know I had, I had that question asked to me on the radio just on, fr- on, on Friday about what does it mean Father's Day to you? I says, well, you know what, Father's Day, I get to spend Father's Day with my children every day because I work with them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I work for them now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, every, every family, it's interesting to see the knowledge that's passed down yeah. from generation to generation. So I just think it's so cool for you yeah. guys, Jill. All of the knowledge that your dad passed down to you led to an entire career. And, I know. and my father, who was one of the pioneers of horticulture in this province, yep. you know, passed it all down. My mother and father passed that down to me, you know. And so, and so, yeah, no, happy Father's Day to my father, who's probably listening here today. He's 93 years old and he's still... Still enjoying and and uh, he and was at the garden center with uh, with his care home, care home. On, Thursday. on Thursday, and yeah. so there was twenty seniors in the garden center roaming around, and he was just beaming, just so proud to be able to to share his legacy with uh, with his yeah. with his friends. Oh, that's awesome! Happy Father's Day to every dad out there. My husband Tyler, my dad Dwayne, you guys <laughs> are the best. Okay, before we get to phone calls, I have a quick question to ask you guys. Yes. Sure. My deck is covered in spiders and I know that they're beneficial and they eat the bugs, but at a certain point, I'm tired of cleaning spider webs off all the railings. What do I do with these things? Yeah, just what you do is you get a long pole with a little round whisper on it and you just keep going every day. And you, <laughs> you so, I'll get my kids uh, to do that, I'll, I guess. I'm out in the acreage in our house, the same thing is covered. <laughs> But uh, otherwise, you can spray things like, uh, like there's a pyrethrin you can put on the foundation of your house. Okay. And as they crawl up, then it basically gets them there. You don't want to spray it on the siding because most most um, insecticides and that might stain the siding. So if you ever have anything, don't spray anything right onto your siding. Go to an inconspicuous corner, you know, spray it, let it dry. Test see, it out Test first. it out, see whether it does anything. But otherwise, I put it on the foundation, which is on the concrete or the parging. Perfect. Right down close to the ground because most of them fall down to the you see lots of them come to the ground and then crawl back up again. So that's where you can get most of them there. And so, and, and if you got, if it gets too much, I mean, there's also, you know, um, you know, there's also the, um, the pest guys like, you know, like the, the Poolins and the, all the different people like that who go out there and will, um, you can get an exterminator, exterminator in. to come in and spray your house for you. But otherwise, there's spider traps out there too. Uh, there's all, all kinds, there's all kinds of little things are out there, but, uh, 
But otherwise, it's um, it, it's a tough one because uh, they'll if you have some trees, they'll blow in the wind and land on your house, right? Yeah. On their web, so it's really tough to to be able to take that. And they do they do act as eating a lot of insects, right? They do. They, but they the do webs, it. oh, they're out of control. So <laughs> I guess for Father's Day, I'll get my five and three year old to yeah. clean spider webs up for their dad. There you go. All right, we're gonna head to the phone lines now. If you have a question, give us a call one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We have Nadine on the line in Macklin. Good morning, Nadine. Good morning. Good morning. I have a very funny problem. My raspberries are just carpeted with those short little clover plants that have the little ball flowers, and there's some yellow clover in there, too. They're just kind of stringy. They don't get very tall. They're very short, but they're just, the carpet is just there in the raspberries. I was pulling them out yesterday. It took me three sessions to get them all pulled out, and I can't get the roots, so they're going to be back again. In the spring, before my raspberries were awake, I had sprayed them. Like They had said spray them as soon as they come up. Well, the Roundup I bought at the store in a little spray bottle must have been pretty poor stuff because they are doing very well. Yeah, sometimes uh, sometimes some different types of, uh, of clovers and that are basically... They're a bit resistant to the Roundup, so so what you should do is that for clover, there is a, there is I'm trying to remember the name of it now. There is a there is a, a chickweed and clover killer. Oh, and, and uh, it's a different product altogether. Um, it's it's hard to find now because even even I haven't seen it available a lot. So, but there is sometimes you can find it. Uh, but otherwise, you just what I would suggest you do is you try a a, a product called uh, Weed Be Gone. And it is an iron product, so it, what it'll do is it'll burn it off as well. And you just got to keep on top of it, because okay. as long as long as you have, as long as you keep on top of it, eventually the roots will die out because they have no uh, they have no green on top to keep them sustained. Okay, yes. but but otherwise, uh, like I said, the, otherwise you keep them pulled out. Don't let them go to flower, and then leave them there. Okay, because what happens? They go to seed. And even if you spray them, they'll go to seed, okay? Yeah. And then oh, once I've been you go putting to seed, the plants into the garbage, yeah. Yeah, because once you go to seed and then um, you spray them and leave the dead plants there, that seed will still go to the ground and will start over Will corn there. gluten work in that area? They're on, tough. On the, seed it will, well, on the seed it will. Yeah. yeah so so if she sprays with Roundup and then puts corn, corn gluten, gluten down, down, it'll stop the new seeds from germinating. Like that. that's what corn gluten do, and actually will fertilize your raspberry patch at the same time. Hmm, that might be an idea. But don't use it, don't use corn gluten in your garden, okay? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. So I've used it in my lawn. Anyways, yep. I'm going to tell you a funny story about those raspberries. I have those raspberries that you're supposed to cut down in the spring or the fall. Yep. Well, I all by the time those things grow back and make raspberries, it's frost already. Yeah, they're they're uh, the Red River or Double Delight, which is a which is a, a primal cane, which they, they you cut them down and they 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 produce in basically the end of August and September, right? That's yeah, when they produce. Too late. Yeah. <laughs> well, I left them this spring, and they're setting already. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. So you didn't you didn't cut them down, <laughs> so I might and now they're setting. To get raspberries if it rains. Yeah. There you go. You have a new cycle that you've started. <laughs> good. Thank you. You're awesome. Have Thanks so much day. for the call, Bye. Nadine. All right, we've got Willa on the line in Regina. Good morning, Willa. Good morning. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Um, it seems as though I've lost the battle for my broccoli with the canola bugs. Oh, yes. The flea beetles. Uh, they, they just destroyed it. I tried several different sprays. Now, it seems they're gone, but all yep. the outside leaves are just destroyed. There is new growth in the middle. Yep. Can I just cut all that stuff on the outside off and they'll 
maybe still produce something this year? No, just just leave it there. I mean, yeah, it doesn't look that great, but it's still acting. Part well, parts that are left there are still acting for for the plant. Okay, it's still collecting food for the plant. Oh, okay. So just leave them there. I mean, yeah, it looks different, but I mean, it's fine. Just leave it there. And then next year, make sure that because because right now you're they're gone because the canola crops are up and up right now and they're all in the canola crops, right? Yeah. So yeah. what you need to do in the spring, you need to put a, a crop cover. So it's a white fabric, right? And you build little hoops, or you can put it flat on the ground to begin with, and then you put dirt around so the the edges so they can't get in, and then you then you keep it there until about this time when the when they're gone, and then you don't have that problem. But you pretty much, if you want to have those kind of crops in your garden, you pretty much have to use a crop cover around Saskatchewan now. But if they've eaten them so bad, you can also, I know some of the garden centers, including our own, um, the vegetables are all on sale right now and you can buy some bedding plants that you can still get a good start on them and maybe just replace a couple of those plants too if they're, yeah. if they're really far gone. I may have to because a couple of them don't look like they're going to survive. And what makes the canola beetles so, like why didn't they touch the cucumbers? Why didn't they? They, they make a certain texture of leaf. They oh, love yeah. bok choy. They love alyssum. They alyssum, love the yeah. broccoli. They love cabbage. They they love the certain um, leafy plants, yep. and they'll stay away from others. Okay. All right. Well, okay. better luck next year, I guess. Yes. Yeah, but use that crop cover. It works great. Okay. You bet. I'll okay. try it. Thank you. Thanks, Willa. Have a great day. All right. We're going to take a quick break, but if you have a question, feel free to give us a call. The number is one 332 8255 I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning and happy Father's Day to any dads or father figures that are listening this morning. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. We have a lot of calls coming in. The number is one 332 You can call if you have any questions. And right now we're going to talk to Paul in Saskatoon. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. How are you guys today? Awesome. Great. Very good. Good. Um, you know, I'd like to give a little hint to that lady who's going to put hoop you know, for the ground cover. Yeah. Um, I did this years ago. I had, I, I called, call before you dig. Yep. Shitty came in yep. and he put all these little flags down. Yep. And I took the flags. I took a couple of flags. I went to Home Depot and I said, is there any way we could connect these things together? <laughs> yeah. And he showed me these little aluminum clips. Yep. I just took some side cutters and clip, clip. And now I got a hoop. There you go. See, dual, cool. dual purpose. Dual purpose. Yeah, re- and like, recycling. Uh, that, that's a simple way of, of, yep. of making a hoop yep. because, you know, people fight with that all the time. Yep. Um, my question is, um, my uh, I was talking to you about my red delicious uh, apples yep. tree. Um, I got a ton of apples on there, but what's happened is the main one is no leaves on it. And I've scraped it, and yeah, it's dead. Okay. You know. Yep. How far down do I cut it? Do I cut just, it till it it's to just, the green? Yeah. Just keep scraping till you go from the green to the brown, and where the green and the brown meet, and cut it okay. just about there on an angle. Okay. So the water doesn't on an sit. angle. So the water doesn't sit on there. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. And if it's and if it's bigger than and if that whole cut is bigger than let's say an inch and a half, you know. Yep. Then just yep. put some pruning paste on. It. Let it dry first for about two weeks, and then yep. put then put some pruning paste on it. Oh, okay. Okay. Awesome. 
Here's one little quick question, if I could. Yep. Um, I, I use uh, the uh, alfalfa tea. Yes. Now, should uh, I've been I've been fighting with? Do I water the plant first with water and then put the uh, the tea on top, or do I put the tea first with, with and the then tea, water? With the tea, doesn't matter. Uh, if you're using something like you know something that has a, 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 a like a salt based fertilizer, like a twenty 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 or 15, 30, 15, that's a salt base, then you want to make sure that your soil is not dry because that will actually burn the roots. But with alfalfa pellet tea, it doesn't matter. You can just water it with your, as you're watering with the tea if you want, or after you're watered, it doesn't matter. But with anything, if you have really dry soil, you're going to be more efficient at fertilizing if the soil is slightly moist already. Yeah, because you're not get the fertilizer all stuck right at the very top of the soil, right, where it's, when it's really dry. Yeah, exactly. Right. I just use the alfalfa pellets to tell you the truth, and my garden is exploding. Yeah, so, amazing. Yeah, it works awesome. Appreciate, I appreciate all your advice, you guys. Thanks, Thanks. Paul. Bye. Bye, Paul. All right. Next, we're going to chat with Joan in Saskatoon. Good morning, Joan. Good morning. I just um, planted a butterfly, monarch butterfly plant. I don't know what the proper term is for it, but. Budella. Uh, didn't really do anything the first couple of years. Yep. And now it's um, popping up all over my yard. Okay. Well, it's probably reseeding itself. Yeah, it's reseeding itself. So, it, well, it's 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 going with little uh, tubers or whatever under the ground and popping up. Okay. So what yeah. you can what you can do because when they first pop up, the roots will be very shallow, right? So the best thing to do is just just give a yank on it and just give it a pull up, and a lot of times those roots will just pop right into the ground because they're well, really that's shallow. The thing, like when I'm po- when I'm pulling it out. There's just like a white sort of a tuber, and there's no like little like hairy looking root at the end. It's just the white tuber, and it breaks off. And then if you dig down like really far, like a foot down, it's like down into the into the right. soil that far. And then you follow it along, and then it'll break off. But I can't find like where there's actual root it's just this white tubery stuff so another thing that you can do with that is if you want to dig up a portion of it pull it out save it in a pot and then go through and round up everything else it's going to kill it right down to the root and then next time you plant it take like a 10 gallon pail or something and bury that into the ground with your plant and then those tubers aren't going to spread throughout your yard but then you still sort of saved a portion of it so that you don't have to to do that so that would be my other suggestion with those more invasive perennials if you want them to stay yeah like ribbon grass um, or gut weed or any any of those things yeah then i would take a large container dig that down and you want your container take the bottom of the pot off first yeah you want your container to be about 12 to 14 inches deep and then it will kind of be sufficient to keep it contained Okay. Yeah, I had no idea that it that it spread around like that. I was just happy that, like, it took a couple of years for it to even get going. Yep. And then all of a sudden, you have like, provided oh. an ideal environment yeah. for it. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just so keep ra- just keep just on top of it. Round, round up, or if you want to hit them right away with uh, things like the weed be gone with the iron, you'll burn off that top right away as soon as it comes out of the ground. You can do yeah. that too, and. Uh, um, and just keep on top of it, and you'll be able to bring it back to where you want it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Good luck, Thanks. Joan. Thanks for the call. All right. We have Marnie on the line in Saskatoon. Good morning, Marnie. Morning. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. I have a question. I'm about to plant a Japanese lilac that I just bought. Yes. Um, I'm putting it in my border in my yard um, that is, a, you know, a stone bo- border. Yep. with landscape 
So I'm obviously I've, I've got my mics. I have everything I need. My question is when I plant it, I'm, and I have a tree bag for watering it. Yep, you don't. Um, you won't need that tree bag. Oh, I won't. No, no, because lilacs don't want to be that wet. Because your tree oh. bag is about fifteen gallons of water. So if yeah, you do, my, if you use that okay. tree bag, only use uh, enough that only put enough water in the in the tree bag. You can use it. Only put enough water in the tree bag that you're watering the as if you're watering that pot. Okay. Okay. Don't fill that tree bag right up because the lilac will not like that. Okay. Okay. Good. I'm glad I mentioned yes. that. Maybe I'll just return it. <laughs> yeah, just it'll it'll be okay. Like I said, but just you know, only um, only water like. You're probably only going to fill it up maybe a, a third to a half, okay? Okay. 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 So, thank th- you. Then I'm going to tell you one thing you're going to do with that is when you put, don't put your landscape fabric around your pot planting hole again, okay? You can put mm-hmm. your rocks back on top, but don't put any landscape fabric underneath it. It'll keep that it. was why I was calling. Yeah. I wanted to know what to do. Yeah. Do I put the rocks right up to it? What do I? Okay. Yeah. So don't so put don't. The, no fabric. Okay, for that area. Mm-hmm. I mean, you will have some weeds that will come up through the through the rocks, obviously. Yeah. But they'll pick out easy. But you, 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 the soil won't dry out with that. And lilacs want to be a little bit. They want to be moist. But if their feet mm-hmm. get wet, they won't make it. Okay. Okay. So, okay. And get yourself a piece of a you know three foot piece of uh, three eighths rebar. And then mm-hmm. you can stick it into the soil and find mm-hmm. out whether it needs watering. Okay, perfect. Just don't perfect. go, don't fill that water bag up once a week because then you know, or every couple days because you only give the water when it needs it. Okay, I appreciate that. Good, thank okay. you very much. I'm going to go plant my tree now. There you go. <laughs> Thanks okay. for Have the call, Marty. You okay. too. Okay. Mom and I were walking around the cabin the other day and we were talking about your rebar because you have a few rebar pieces laying yep. around your yep. yard and we we're like, oh, there's dad's favorite gardening tool. <laughs> Rick's they're ultimate hand, they're, tip. They're handy, yeah. right? They're handy. Yeah, I don't these go, little I don't pieces go, of rebar he they're goes just, and pokes around his yard yeah, with. Yeah. There's <laughs> different places around the yard. I just have to go get it and poke You're it like around. a spokesperson for rebar. <laughs> I love All right, heading to the text line now. We have a text from Larry. I have tomato leaves that have started curling up. Please help. Okay, well, tomato leaves can curl up for a few reasons. One reason is is uh, maybe they're getting too much, uh, not enough water, and so then they start protecting themselves. So that's number one. Um, the other reason is, is sometimes it can be a nutrient deficiency, and they will they will curl as well. Um, sometimes you will see disease, um, like a virus or something, go through um, a tomato crop, but usually you'll see like them turning brown or black along with curling them up. So it's most likely an inconsistent watering. Um, issue along with like the hot intense heat that you'll see the curling and, the, and the, as long as you be the consistent watering and you have things like you know using a vegetable fertilizer mm-hmm. you know like like the alfalfa pellets and those kind of things that have calcium in them you'll be able to the plant will be resistant to a lot of those things it'll help to keep them healthier there's immunities built up if immunities are built up i mean even we do better if our immunities are, are built up right so uh and so just keep them healthy that way and if they curl down and they look distorted most times it could be a, a, a type of a virus or it could be a, a drift from yeah, sometimes a, it's like, a half a, a half a kilometer away. For, it could be a drift from a herbicide drift. Yeah, okay. Sometimes we'll see that. But one thing about curling leaves is usually it means you're still going to get a crop. You just got to change some of your practices a little bit, and yeah. your plants are going to be fine. Yeah. Perfect. All right. If you have a question, feel free to give us a call one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on six fifty CKOM and nine eighty CJME. 
Good morning. Thanks for joining us on this beautiful Sunday and happy Father's Day. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke, and we have a very special guest in studio, CKOM morning show host Mark Loshak. I just got kicked out of the house <laughs> <laughs> on Father's Day. Get out of the house. We got to do some stuff around here. Okay, Shaq, you've got a question about something going on in your yard. Yes. Well, we have a, a nice big apple tree that we've had for years and years and years, Rick. And um, every year, uh, the apples come out nice. There's been a couple of years where there hasn't been a ton, but usually they come out nice, and I usually have to thin them. There's so many apples, but they're big apples, and I like to have these great big apples because we use them for all kinds of things, cider and pies and stuff like that. But this year, um, I went and took a look, and some of the clusters of apples are yellow and shriveled up, so much so that they're dropping to the ground, which is nice because I don't have to go and thin them. It's doing the work for me. But I don't know. I'm worried that maybe that whatever's happening with those apples may move to the healthy ones. Okay, I'm going to ask you one question first. Mm-hmm. Is, there, is there any brown leaves or sort of scorched leaves around those yellow? No. The, all the leaves are they're perfectly all, fine. Okay. It, the, the tree looks really healthy. It's okay. just you look underneath where you, you'll see yep. a couple of nice ones growing, yep. but then you'll see a cluster of, of yellow Perfect. shriveled up ones. So what usually happens then, if you get that many, like you probably have more than usual. Is that correct? Okay, okay. So what will happen is that a lot of times you'll get pollination. When you get that many flowers, the pollination isn't great on all the flowers. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then what will happen, and then, of course, if it's not pollinated properly, they'll just basically abort. They'll, they'll start growing a little bulb, and then they'll just fall off. Right. They'll fall off. And the other one is that sometimes the tree itself, if it has too many, it has its own mechanism saying that I can't support this. And then it'll abort a bunch of them as well. So basically, it's doing the job for me. It's doing the job. I for love you. it. Thinning. I love that. Now, are they actually dropping to the ground, or are they just sort of like? No, they're. Dying? I will go. I went out to uh, cut yeah. my lawn the other night, and I'm looking around, and I'm going. There's like thousands of yeah. little, little teeny shriveled yellow yeah. apples all over the place. Perfect for the birds. Yeah. The birds are loving it. They're yeah. coming down again. So now, something I wouldn't worry about. Uh, okay, good. If brown leaves around those, 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 uh, those shriveled up apples. Mm-hmm. Then you might have fire blight. Okay. Okay. And and that you don't want. You want to get. They're trimming those out right away. Okay. Uh, but if there's not, not, they're just turning leaves around them or just turning yellow or they're just the little uh, apples are turning yellow, then it's just aborting them. Okay. So they were just poorly pollinated or otherwise the tree is protecting itself. So now I also have an anthill that's right at the base of the tree, yeah. and it's been there for years. Yes. But that's probably not any... Well, but now there's so many ants this year, it's crazy. Well, the only reason an anthill would be at the bottom of the tree for mm-hmm. is because it's either really dry there, okay? So you got to watch for that moisture for the tree, even if it's an older tree. Also, what ants love is they love aphids. Aphids. Okay, ah. and what they do is they milk them like dairy cattle. They don't go up and eat the aphids. They actually cling on to the back end of the aphids because the aphids sucking on the leaf, and they extract this sap extraction, okay. um, ex- ex- excrement, and they take that down to the nest. Okay. So it's like it's like having dairy cattle. That's what they do with them. <laughs> so, so if you get rid of the, if you get rid of the aphids, then you'll get rid of a lot of the ants. Yeah, but there's the, lots of plants like yeah. like a peony plant, for instance. I have people say I don't want to plant a peony because I'm going to have ants, and the reason why that that is the case is because aphids yeah. like peonies, and then the ants. Oh, go to okay. The so they follow the yeah. aphids. Yeah. Now, yes. now there's a new product out there. It's called a, it's called an ant begone nematode, which is a little severe. You buy, you mix with water or you put it into a special sprayer you water that area where the anthill is really well and these little little tiny little nematodes go down to the ant nest and eat the eggs 
from the inside out. Oh. And it just basically destroys the whole nest. So you have like your own little army Our going down nest. there. They seek and destroy. Wow. Cool. My mom actually got my dad nematodes for Father's Day. Perfect. Great gift. He is at war with ants in his yeah. front lawn. So mom said, okay, this is the most useful thing <laughs> I can get and, of. There we go. And you don't have to use chemical, right? It's just, yeah. It works awesome. So. All right. Well, thanks, Rick. Appreciate okay. that. Well, have a great day. Yeah. Have a great Happy Father's, Father's Day. Day. Yeah, same to you. All right. If you have a question, feel free to give us a call. one 332 We're going to head to the text line. And a question about nematodes. Pat in Saskatoon says... I've been warring with ants for the last couple of years. I've never got ahead of them. I took your advice to apply nematodes, and a week and a half later, gone. I'm spreading the word to family and friends. <laughs> but a few have come back. Do I need to just reapply? Yeah, you, you might. You may have to reapply because of another ant colony moves in, right? Or you if might... the grass dries out, they don't last more than like three days in 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 dry in yeah. dry ground. Yeah. So just make sure if they run out of food, or then like I said, if they another whole colony moves in, you might have to reapply. But otherwise, uh, make sure that you keep your ants don't like moist soil, so just make sure you're moist. Or if, if it's grass, if you if they have moving to grass, put some grass seed, more grass seed into your grass, and get your grass to thicken up. Ants don't like weeds. Weeds and ants don't like thick grass. So if you keep your lawn healthy, you won't have ants and, and weeds. Okay, that that's the big mm-hmm. easiest way to keep rid of all those kind of things. Perfect. Okay, a question here from Randy and Warman. A couple of weeks ago, I heard you mention a product to help with dog spots on yes. the grass. What is that? It's called Dog Spot Prevent, and it's made by a company uh, called Dirt and Grow out of Winnipeg. And so he's an, an organic uh, guru. Yeah, a guru. Sheldon. Sheldon, <laughs> yes. he's a guru. He's just a small company, but he's made the stuff that's called Dog, dog Spot Prevent, and you put it on three times a year, just the same time as you put your fertilizer down your lawn. You could do it at the same time if you want or right after. So you put your fertilizer down in, in, in you know, end of April, beginning of May, and then once again coming up in July, and then again in the fall. And then that'll prevent those spots from coming back next year. Okay. okay. Um, another question here from Trina in Saskatoon. I have two gladiator crab trees. They were planted in July of last year, six feet tall. Yep. One is growing as it should, but the other came back at the bottom. However, the top half is dry and brittle. Yep. Is this tree lost? Yeah, the tree is just coming back from the graft at the bottom. So the tree is lost. So you bought it last year, most likely you'll have a warranty on it. So I just suggest you bring it back to your garden center you got it from. And then get a new new plant because that one won't, won't, what comes from the bottom won't be true to name which for a gladiator. It'll be just on a on a nat on a basically a wild apple type tree on the bottom. Okay, and so it won't be the same color. It most likely will be just green leaves, and so you want the purple leaves of a gladiator as well. So yeah, just it won't come back. What might have happened too is that. With the snow we had in the spring, uh, the late the late snow we had in the spring, it made all the snow really bright, and then you had reflection off the snow, and then sometimes you'll get, depending on the positioning of the plant and everything else, you might have got some sun skull on the on the on the trunk. You'll see the trunk looks cracked, and it'll look discolored, and then that's what happened there. So just um, if you if you see that on this tree for next year, put a a, a white tree guard onto the trunk, and leave that on there from from October till May. Uh, every year until the tree trunk gets a little bit older. But you have to take it off for the summertime, okay, because otherwise too much moisture builds up 
underneath that thing for the summertime. So put it in your garden shed and then you can put it back on again in the, in the fall again. Well, that's a good point, Rick, is when you're digging up a tree to take in for warranty, to do a little bit of investigating, first of all, before you do that, so that you're not just replacing the tree and then the same thing's going to happen again. You want to figure out, was it too dry? Was there enough sunlight in this area? Was there maybe disease? Do I need to wrap it for the winter? Did rabbits or rodents get at the tree bark? So there's so many different things that can happen. It might might have been really wet in that spot, even though it might have only been, you know, five, six feet apart, maybe one spot where the water comes off the lawn and runs right through that spot spot. So then you can do things to prevent that from happening again. So do your do your scientific research as, as you're digging this plant up to find out, okay, why maybe this happened. Yeah. And uh, it's a few things that can help us in the garden centers. Take a picture of the tree while it's still standing up, close yep. up and far away. And you can bring in some samples of the leaves that if you think it's a disease. Yep. Um, but when you're digging it up, have a look at the root system and see how much moisture is down there too. Um, healthy roots. Uh, if you sort of ruffle them up, they'll sort of start falling apart and, and things like that if they're too Yep. if they're too um, wet um, and then healthy roots will stay stay nice and firm. So, Perfect. If you have a question, feel free to give us a call. one 332 8255 I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning and happy Father's Day. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. If you have a question about anything garden, yard related, you can feel free to give us a call. The number is 1-877-332-8255. We have a lot of texts coming in, lots of people with questions, so we'll get to some of those. This one is from Wendy in Regina. Good morning, Rick. Is it too late in the season to prune some smaller, low-hanging branches from a macana? And fall gold ash tree. Yeah, no, it's it. I like now they're pretty much out in full leaf right now. See so some lower branches, it wouldn't be a problem. I like to wait until they're out in full leaf rather than when they're just pushing because then all the saps are going up. Otherwise, um, yeah, once the leaves are out in full, you could take them off, not a problem. Perfect. Okay, this one is from Jason in Priestville. Rick, how do you get rid of portulaca in the garden? You put a pail in the middle of the garden. Pick it. And then you pick it and you put it in the pail. You always leave that pail or pot or whatever you have in the middle of the garden. And every time you see one, you pick it and you put it in the pail. Because if you just throw it, drop it in the garden, it'll go to seed and you'll have a zillion seeds. So you can't just leave it, you can't just hold it and leave it in the garden, okay? Because it's a succulent, so if you pull it and just leave it, it's actually going to just continue to root. root. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily need to be planted, it's just going to root by just laying there. I feel like... That's manual labor is the answer that none of us want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> We're asking, you, how do we get rid of this? And if you till it, you'll, you'll have it, an even bigger you, problem. You'll make even more plants. Yeah. So just pick it. it very, they, they come, they pick really easy and they come up as a whole mat, you know, like just put it into a, have that little pail sit in the middle of the garden, just leave it there. There we go. Put it in the pail. Do you like what you did to us? Uh, how, how much money would we get per pail <laughs> per of pail. weeds? <laughs> and it'd be like my dad. Then when the pail's full, you step on you it. You step on the pail. <laughs> It's not full yet. There we go. Get back out there. I don't want to pay you 25 cents. Yeah, you better earn that quarter. All right. This is a text from Corey. I have an ornamental tree. I just planted it last year. This year, winter killed. But I have suckers. Will the suckers develop into a tree if I cut the dead tree branches and main stem down to the bottom? Sorry, what type of tree was that again? Uh, An ornamental tree. An ornamental tree. It, it depends on the type of tree, okay? Because okay. some ornamental trees, like ornamental flowering crabs, like we talked about earlier with a gladiator, 
uh, they're grafted onto something different. So a tree will come up, but it may not be what you had originally. Yeah. Now, it, now if the if the shoot came up from above the graft, which happens sometimes, okay, then yes, it will be the same tree again. Okay, so it all de- it all depends. What you can always do is just take a picture of of the what's coming up, and then bring it to your bring that picture to your garden center, and or just send it to a, email at info at dutchgrowers dot com, and then we can look at it and tell you whether it's going to be the same or not. Perfect. All right. This one is from Lindsay from Merrill Hills. We have many volunteer spruce and pine trees popping up on our acreage. They're currently about two feet high. Is this an okay time to move them to Mm. the area that we would like to keep them? No, no. wait until, wait until basically around September the 1st. Okay. Okay. If you move them now, they won't do very well. They're all pushing new growth right now. So that new growth will just wilt. So it's too hot. So okay. it's September then. It's like they're getting they're the, the, getting ready for winter. By the so. middle of August, they've set their buds for next year. Okay. They're done growing. So, so early spring or late fall. So early spring. So you want to do it as soon as the frost comes out of the ground and during the month up to up to around the, usually around the 15th of May. And then then I always say the two J's are the two J's are the two months you don't plant. You don't move spruces. So June, July. Okay. Perfect. So I like waiting until September 1st and then go at her. No problem. If I had a choice to do it in September or early, early spring when the frost just comes out, what would you prefer? I'd always, you know, both will work, but I would pick spring first. Yeah, because that's more yeah. time to root and get yeah. established. Yes. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Sounds good. All right. We have Jackie on the line in Spiritwood. Good morning, Jackie. Good morning. How are you? Very good. That's good. Well, I'm just calling because uh, I'm trying something this year that kind of relates to one of your callers just a few minutes ago with the the beetles on the um, the broccoli. Yes. Um, I I have a thing. I love growing hot peppers, but I don't use them for much. So uh, someone suggested that I try making a hot pepper spray, and I did some research, and it's supposed to keep the cabbage butterflies and any of those guys off. You have to apply it often yep. every time it rains yep. and whatnot, yep. but it's supposed to keep them off. And uh, I'm just wondering, is this a real thing? Yeah, it's a real thing. It's it's a shirt. You can also use garlic, right? A garlic okay. spray will, will work as well. And, okay. uh, but you got to remember, if you're spraying often, What's that? That cabbage could have a little flavor to it afterwards. Uh, yes, you'll have to wash it afterwards. <laughs> I'm really interested to see how this experiment turns out for you. Yeah, I am so. too, because there's nothing else, and I like to grow lots of cabbage because I make cabbage rolls and sauerkraut. Right. Right. And, so yeah, and, okay. and and so you have to do that early, anyways, because now the the cab well the cabbage moss will still come all summer long, right? But I mean, yes. so you can do that, and otherwise you have to use a crop cover or things like that. But I mean, yeah, because they used to have things like dare talks, they had all kinds of dusts, you know. But those are long gone. We have none of I that know. anymore. It's very so, sad. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, just uh, yeah, try try that out. Try the spray, or either a garlic spray, a concentrated garlic spray, or try that hot pepper. I mean, it'll it'll it'll, it'll deter. It'll even deter the deer and rabbits from your from yeah. your garden. So the other one, I was just kind of a curiosity that it wasn't mentioned anywhere. There is a moth that lays eggs in the soil that go into the brassica roots and destroy them. And I'm wondering if I put work some of it into the soil around my plants, would that work with the, for them as well? Yeah, it should work as well as a deterrent. Yes. Awesome. Yep. All right. Well, thank okay. you very much. Let Jackie, us know how this goes. I was going to say, call yeah. back and let us know if your cabbage rolls are spicy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, I will. We've got a new type of cabbage roll. Her <laughs> spicy ones. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Bye-bye. Jackie. All right, Rick. This year, 
seems like a really, really bad year for mosquitoes in the city of Saskatoon, as well as the city of Regina. Numbers are way up. So if you're out in the yard a lot wanting to deter some of those mosquitoes from coming in, what kinds of things can we be using? Well, the same thing. I was just talking about that, that, that garlic spray is called mosquito mosquito barrier. barrier. Works. I've used it a bunch of times and it works awesome. Like I've had little campfires in the backyard. We've had a wet, I done a wedding with my son and we used it out in the lake. You couldn't, you couldn't be outside that year. It was brutal. And we used a mosquito barrier and nothing. All the mosquitoes are gone. Usually you want to go about 24 hours before your event because it is quite a strong nope. garlic. Smell. <laughs> no, I do it in the morning. Yeah, the morning. morning. If I'm doing the evening, I'll do it in the morning. Yeah. And I'll smell like a Greek restaurant for a couple hours. <laughs> and then after that, it dissipates and then no mosquitoes. And it's amazing. Like, cause you, you go to the bushes and before that, and you just touch the bushes and it, it's like, you know, just like there's just a cloud of yep. mosquitoes and you spray this around and no problems. So perfect. So mosquito barrier. There we go. That's yep. what we all need. Yeah. And getting rid of standing, standing water. Standing in your water. Area, Don't have, so. yeah, make sure there's no standing water around and that kind of stuff. And uh, if you have bird baths, make sure you rinse out your bird baths quite often, put fresh water into them. And uh, then that'll just help with the mosquitoes. Also, I was in Regina. I was in Regina last night. I was in Wilcox, uh, Wilcox, uh, yesterday and then for, for the, my granddaughter's graduation at uh, Notre Dame. And then we had the banquet in at the Art Center in Regina. And I was, we went for a walk in the, in the park there, we're almost by Wisconsin Lake. And I noticed that they had tent caterpillars there. Like a, a bunch of the trees, a lot. It was unbelievable how many trees were just stripped. So, uh, BTK, if you have problems in Regina with tent caterpillars, Use the BTK, you spray it onto the leaves, and then the caterpillars ingest the, that, and then they'll just, they basically just quit eating and they die. It's Perfect. a natural product and too, it's, so it's yeah, very safe you to don't use. Say, awesome. No, and it only affects caterpillars, no other insects or birds or anything. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning. Happy Father's Day. It is a beautiful, beautiful day out there. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. If you have a question, feel free to give us a call. 1-877-332-8255. We're going to head to the phone lines right now. We have Randy on the line in Dundurn. Good morning, Randy. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I've, I've got uh, some black bugs in my radish. Uh, they look like they got a, a bunch of little legs on them, but they're eating through my radish. I'm wondering what they are and what I can do to get rid of them. Yeah, with the radishes, yeah, they'll they'll love the radish and they'll love things like marigolds as well. Um, yeah, I got marigolds too. Yeah, and so they'll go on to those as well. They just like that texture of leaf as well. So the best thing to do is you can you can you can spray them with the with a pyrethrin, okay, and uh, or you can like bug eggs out or even endol or anything like that. Um, um, then also, or you can put your crop cover over top to keep the bugs from flying back in again. Okay. Okay. To protect them. It's called a crop cover. And then okay. you don't have to worry about them. The, 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 the radishes will grow underneath the crop cover and protect them from those beetles. But otherwise, okay. if you use the spray, you got to spray them about every 10 days. Okay. Okay. And then you can keep on top of it that way. And in the fall, just make sure that you really remove all the debris um, and, and pull those, pull everything out at the at the end of the season, so that they get then, rid of as and, many of those eggs as possible. And don't plant your radishes in the same spot as you did this year. So just remember where and rotate your crop. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks for the call, Randy. Okay, we have Dave 
on the line in White Fox. We're going to get to Dave in just a second, though. We're, we'll head to the text line right now. So Dawn in Saskatoon texted in. Good morning. A few weeks ago, we planted a row of four to five foot Brandon cedars for a hedge. What do you recommend as far as watering and fertilizing them for the first summer? Yeah, fertilizing you do from... They, they put most of the growth on in June. Okay. Most evergreens do. So you want to start fertilizing around Mother's Day, and you can fertilize every three weeks with a product called 301010, okay? And also what will make cedars more hardier, too, is that watch your pH of your soil. If you can get the pH around around 7, so if you're on the Saskatoon and more the Davidson and uh, um, Diefenbaker and more up towards Saskatoon, a lot of it's more alkaline soil. And so then if you add some sulfur or aluminum sulfate, you also make your plants more hardy. They won't brown as much, okay? If you're down by Regina, your soil is, a, most places around Regina, the soil is a little bit more basic, around neutral, about 7 pH, and you don't have to do add that uh, to it. So just fertilize. 30, 10, 10, every three weeks. Uh, the volume of, of water mixed with fertilizer depends on how big the plant is. If it's a small, little, tiny plant, you're going to put about 2 liters of water. If the plant is 16 feet tall, you're going to put about 5 gallons of water mixed with the, the right amount of... And how tent. often are you doing that? Every right? 3 weeks, right? But July 15th, stop. No, with the watering, how often should they be watered? Water, it, there again, my fancy piece of rebar is going to tell me. Okay. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, because every yard is different. I mean, every side of the yard is different. Front yard, backyard is different. You okay? might have one end of the row that needs more water than the other end of the yep, row because too, the so. grass the grass runs off for the back end of the row but the top end of the yard doesn't get as much water so, so you, with your cedars you want to keep them evenly moist you don't yes. want them to be soaking wet and nope. you don't want them to be really dry either nope. um, when you plant them as well sometimes depending on the soil that's around them you might get a pocket of water right around the plant or else you might just even find that 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 the water's just sort of sitting in the hole too so you kind of have to watch your your area and you'll want to be with the new plant sort of poke right into the area Area that um, the right by the root ball yep. instead of too far out. Now I just w- did a Wi-Fi check during the break on on Jill's uh, timer in her yard. Okay, yes, we just put timers in my yard, so my yard's she, she all being love, automatic. She said, that, she said they were too wet, so I just went to my phone and I adjusted her timer. I love that and, my dad and my brother <laughs> control the water in my yard right now. <laughs> so, but the thing is, though, one thing I don't like we we put two different zones, okay, because the backyard and front yard need two different watering. Some people will put all their drippers on one zone and then there again there's other, nine zones in my yard exactly so you got to make sure that you zone it properly so the plants don't get too much in one side of the yard and not enough in the sun and too much in the shade but it's really neat because now i can i have some pots that are kind of in the shade at the back of my yard and yep. i can have those on drippers those are dripping for five minutes whereas the ones on the other side of the yard are dripping for 10 minutes and then the shrubs drip for a different amount so this is all a learning curve for me all these different times and, this, and then, the zoning i know how to do it if i'm just going out there with a hose but to figure out these apps now, oh my now, goodness now, i need my brother to now, help now me you just have to set an outdoor camera to watch the backyard for security oh my goodness and then i'll get the app for that and then when i see you out in the back sun <laughs> I can turn the sprinklers on. Right <laughs> there we go. Oh. See, I love Father. the ease of that, though. Like, it's so much detective work, kind of, to yeah. get it all set up and figure out how long to set everything yeah. for. But once you have it set up, you're living yeah. the dream, it seems like. That's awesome. All right. So we have Dave in White Fox on the line. Good morning, Dave. 
Yes, I have a, uh, cherry trees. I have three of them. Yep. Uh, they had the cherries like starting little small ones. Yep. And they all aborted, like they all fell off. Yeah, they weren't pollinated properly, so they weren't. You didn't have great pollination, and so th- they'll do that. We just talked about with that shack earlier in the year. He had too many uh, apples, and so some of them were aborting. But if you get cherries that that don't, it's usually because of poor pollination. It's nine times out of ten. Or the other thing you're doing is you're being too nice to your cherries, so that means you're fertilizing too much. Cherries don't like to be fertilized a lot. Okay. So that, that's the other reason that they'll sometimes abort. But number one for cherries uh, is, is because of poor pollination. And if you are fertilizing your cherries, what type of fertilizer should I be using? None. None or yep, something Or with something a, with a very low, low nitrogen. nitrogen, like a one or two. Okay. Oh. Nothing with a 20 or 15 or 20 or 30 uh, with a nitrogen for, for fruit trees. Okay. But most likely you just had a bad year, you know, that could have been even a frost, late frost. But I didn't see too many late frost problems this year. Uh, I think uh, a lot of it had to do with this poor pollination. Yeah, so you could put plant some pollinators or stick some. If you have an area where maybe you, don't have, you can't plant some perennials, yep. even just putting a few flower pots out with some pollinators like some salvia or some kufia, those are some great... But, um, but early blooming, so you go put yep. pansies out or anything like that will bloom really early. Yep. And then get just attract more bees to your yard. That's number one. I have a tree now, cherry tree, third year, and uh, now it just the leaves just dried up. And when I seen that happening, I give it twelve gallons of water, and didn't help nothing. No. Now one thing I watch for cherry trees: if you see an ooze coming out of the trunk, you might have a virus. Okay, you'll see it like the sap oozing out of the trunk. Then you might have a virus, and that would cause a tree to die. Or otherwise, you may just have some winter damage. Uh, one thing you got to watch for cherries is that you don't want to fertilize them too late in the season, and you don't want to water them too much in in basically in September, October. Just enough to keep just enough to keep them alive, because if they're forced to grow, then all of a sudden we get a quick winter like we did this last last fall. We uh-huh. had a quick winter come. Then you'll get some damage in the cells because the plant's not ready for winter time. So that tree won't come back. If it's if it's all brown, you can take a, your fingernail or you can take a pair of pruners and just nick the bark. Okay. If, if it's green underneath, it'll still come. But if it's brown underneath or lime lime yellow, it's not going to come back. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Thanks so much for the call, Dave. All right. If you have a question, you can give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Divendyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on six fifty CKOM and nine eighty CJME. Good morning. Happy Sunday. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Divendyke. Happy Father's Day, Rick. Thank you. Thank you. Now, the last caller that we just talked to was Ron, right, about the cherry tree. Now, he's saying if the top is dead, one thing about cherry trees is they're all on their own root. So if the top is dead, it'll come from the root. More shoots will come from the root, so you don't have to take the tree out. More will come from the root, and you'll have the same cherry tree all over again. Okay, so that's one thing about, one thing about especially the sour cherries. Don't be worried. It'll come from the root again if the top's dead, and you'll have the same cherry again. Awesome. Okay. All right. If you have a question, you can give us a call, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Right now we have Bill on the line in Prince Albert. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. How are you this morning? Good morning. Very good. I love your show. I listen Thank to it every week. Thank you very much. I, but I, I'd like to ask uh, you, Jill and Rick, a question. Uh, my dad 
he used to always put ashes from the fire pit outside yep. on the potatoes and, and the whole garden. Yep. And uh, it was a kind of a trick he taught me, and I've done it. And I've, I put it on cabbage and kohlrabi and basically everything. And I never, ever have any problems with, you know, uh, flies or, or flea beetle or and I'm just wondering, uh, I wouldn't be hurting the soil, or would I? No, no. The amount, you, amount you're putting in is actually going to be fine. That wood ash, and I mean, we're we're putting biochargo in the garden to help. It's a the, good source of potassium. Potassium, and also what it does is it those little all those little pieces of ash act as little condos for little bacterias, which help feed okay. the pla- which help take nutrients out of the soil and feed the plants as well. So yeah, you But anything you put way too much of is always always going to be a problem no matter what okay if you put if you just dump ton, you know a whole whack of, of ash on there uh, but otherwise you sprinkle it on and I heard, I've heard that lots of times before where people have less insects when they spread the wood ash yeah. I don't know the science behind that but I mean it it does does work but it does help for the nutrients and it does help even for for sequestering carbon into this, into the soil and and all, all those kind of things as well. But with anything like Rick was saying, is you want to do it in moderation, yep. and sometimes you can compost your ashes as well too. But ashes will uh, attract salts as well to your soil. Yep. So if you do it too much, you can have yep. too much salt build up in your soil too. So just sort of watch that. Yeah. Yep. But otherwise, yeah, no, you, you've been having success uh, like keeping the. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I just sprinkle it like you, you would uh, a duff, eh? Yes. Perfect. It seems to work awesome on cabbage and kohlrabi and that. Well, that's if it's, that's working for you, that's awesome because that's perfect because you're not using any chemical, you're just using a natural product. That's awesome. It kind that's of good. works like awesome. diatomaceous earth as well, too. So yeah. it, any of those creepy crawlers, it's going to kind of cut, cut up the bottoms yeah. of them and make it so they don't want to be there anymore, too. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks for your call. All right. We have Dawn on the line now in Beachy. Good morning, Dawn. Good morning. Good morning. I have a strip of clover that I seeded instead of seeding grass. I yep. thought I would try something different. Yep. And I got a really good catch on the clover, but I also got a good catch on the round leaf mallow, yep. the volunteer sunflower seeds, yep. and portulaca. So I made one pass with the mower uh, about three weeks to a month after I seeded it. Yep. And just to see, you know, trim the tops off and... The round leaf mallow seemed to come back quicker than the uh, clover did. Yep. And so I've left the balance of it, and of course now it's getting to be a foot and a half tall. Yep. I'm wondering, is there any chemical, or what should I do with it? You could use a Roundup Advance, maybe to burn off well, the mallow. You'd a have to bit. do just a spot spray because you you don't want to you don't want to get the clover. You see. Right. So you'd have to do just a, just a just take a little spritzer out there and just do a, or even a paintbrush and just do a spot a spot touch up or whatever, and then you can get it. But make sure that the the plant isn't into flower already, just like you you cut off the heads, right? Because right. if you leave the flower out there, no matter even if you spray anything on it, it, it will go to seed and spread again. Okay. Yes. And with so, the mallow and the portulaca, by by trimming and pruning it, it's gonna make it thicker and bushier. So yep. that's one of the things too, is if you're if you're just mowing it to hopefully keep it down, it's actually by doing that you're promoting that plant to branch and bush more. But but if you also with the, if you get that clover thick enough, the yeah. portulaca will disappear. Yes, okay. It's true. The, the clover will, will compete out compete the portulaca. Okay, but the okay. mallow is a different thing. That that will be there, so you have to be on top of that one. Yeah, or pick it. Yep. 
I think there's a few more than I can pick. Yeah, yeah okay. it's a big chore. You yeah, might have to go chore. out there and do some spot spraying then, just do, and be careful because you know the spot spraying can get the clover as well. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Thank you very okay. much. Yeah. Thanks, Appreciate Don. It. Good luck. Yeah. All right, we have a text here from Linda in Saskatoon. I have an ant hill in my lawn. I bought the nematode grub buster yesterday and applied as directed. This morning, the ants are going crazy in the area. How long does this actually take to take effect? Because what they do is they go, they, the nematodes go down to the nest. They don't touch the adult ants at all, okay? Go down to the nest and they start eating the eggs from the inside out. Yeah. And so what happens is that once they, and then they reproduce and they go after more eggs and more eggs and or more Or they eggs. start moving their nest too, and so, what so happens, that might be why they're so, going crazy. So the queen will all of a sudden say, okay, there's a problem here. We need to move. So they'll move, but, but the problem is the workers take eggs with them and they'll take the nematodes with them, Ooh. right? And so that's what totally finally destroys the whole nest. But so the key to success with this all is moisture, 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 because yep. these nematodes cannot survive without the moisture. So even if they're moving, they need to, in order for those nematodes to survive while they're moving, they yep. need that moisture. So you need, because so ant, uh, when ant makes a nest, of course, it makes all these tunnels and it dries out the soil. So that's why you have to keep it moist. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay, this text is from Marie from Thompson Lake. I notice leaves from my poplar trees are falling off. They also have odd knobs at the base of the leaves that are filled with eggs or yep. worms. It, I'm not sure what they that's are. That's ap- aphid gall. Ah. Aphid gall. So, yeah. Aphid. So oh, that's man. an aphid gall, so you have to keep on top of it. It could be an aphid gall or also there's a mite gall. Okay, there's two different ones, okay? Right. And so if it's a mite gall, then, then, um, you can look it up, just Google it and you'll be seeing aphid gall in, on poplars or mite gall in poplars. If it's a mite gall, then you need to spray malathion. Well, malathion will take your aphids and, and, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, and spy, and spider mites too. But, um, but, uh, if it is a mite gall, use malathion. What's if the best time to do that? You want to do it earlier in the season because right now those are there, right? So, I mean, you can hit them with the mites because the mites are, are crawling all over the leaves right now. Mm-hmm. So the aphids, so you can do it anytime, really. Could you and, use a pyrethrin base like bug X out on that or would not? For the, if it's an aphid gall. Okay. The mite gall, the pyrethrin doesn't work that great on. Okay. Okay. The, the malathion works better. Works better. Perfect. All right. Here is a question from Dawn. Good morning. I have a mountain ash that the voles have chewed about 90% of the bark around the tree. Oops. Can it be saved? Nope. What can I do? You can do, uh, there is a graft you can make. Uh, like it's called, it's, it's called a bridge graft. A bridge graft. And Google a bridge graft on a tree and from, from vole damage. And it's very complicated how you do it. It's really tough. But there is some great YouTube videos and tutorials if you wanted yep. to try and try it. take it on. It's it's really neat how but, it's done. But otherwise that tree, if it's a bigger tree, it'll last for maybe one or two seasons. And then if you get hot summer, it'll just die because there's no sap going up to the tree. So once that interior, because the bark protects the, tr- the the wood of the outside wood of the tree, right? And the outside wood of the tree between the bark and that wood is where the moisture goes up, all the sap. But what happens then once the bark is gone, it dries the wood up, it starts cracking, and then of course there's no place for the sap to go up. So that's now, why to protect we're having vole damage everywhere. So to, for people to protect their trees for next year, um, what are some tips that you can give, Rick? Put a put either a very close net uh, a mesh like a uh, like a metal mosquito screening around the base, okay? Or you can use a, a, a tree guard where you can wrap around the tree and take it off in the spring. And so anything to keep a small Varmint out away from the trunk of the tree, basically. 
Do you and want it to be tight against the tree or can it be a couple inches away? It can be a couple inches. It can be tight okay. in some, some way so they just can't get to it. It has to be tall enough so it's higher than the snowbank. Yeah. Okay. And if you do have voles, Rick gave me advice a few years ago to get the trap with peanut butter and a craisin. Yep. It works like a charm. It, it works really put it in it a works, box. Yeah. It works good. It works awesome. So just do that Do that during throughout the summertime, especially in the fall. And just keep your numbers in your yard down just like you would. You wouldn't want a mouse trap in your garage or your house, a uh, mouse in your, in your house or garage. Yep. So you're going to put traps out. And so do the same thing with your yard. Perfect. All right. If you have a question, feel free to give us a call. The number is one 332 8255 I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning. Happy Sunday. Happy Father's Day. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. You can give us a call if you have any questions. The number is 1-877-332-8255. Right now we have Ron out in Lestock on the line. Good morning, Ron. Good morning. Uh, I planted some asparagus from seed, which I'm just going to put out. And they're, oh, I don't know, four to six inch high little bony, ferny kind of thing. Yep. And I'm wondering, can you bury that deeper than ground level like uh, you would with a tomato that's a nope. little spindly? No, you don't want to do that because oh. they, they have a crown, they have a little bit of a crown to them and those okay. crowns are going to be at the surface of the soil. If you bury them too deep, then it's not good. In fact, sometimes some, if you buy them in the store, they have a big crown to them. Sometimes I like leaving that crown just at soil level or leaving a little bit above soil level. Yeah. So it's not it's, it's it's really important that you plant them in an area that has lots of drainage as well. I usually would plant them about on one foot centers as two just so so that they have enough room to sort of multiply. Um, and then you don't want to harvest them um, until they're usually about two to three years old. So you want to make sure that those those little ferny fronds that are coming out um, before you start cutting them, they're about the size of the width of your pinky finger before you do your first cut. Um, and then that will help them be stronger and healthier every year. And also you want to be careful when you put those little fronty things out there. Don't put them right out in the open sunlight, okay? Acclimatize oh. them a bit, okay? If you uh, have them indoors. Uh, they're out in... I put the planters out in their sitting outside right oh, now, okay. so they're cutting You're the sun. Perfect, perfect. But, uh, oh, and the neighbor said I should tell you about my uh, gorilla pumpkin patch that uh, I had some old pumpkins I almost forgot about in the bedroom, and thank God they didn't rot, but I took them out, <laughs> smashed them, scraped some seeds out on a mound of stuff in this hay yard, yeah. threw a little dirt on. We just checked the other day, all kinds of plants. So we mulched in with straw, and I told them, I'll put six inches of straw around this thing later on, and and then in the fall, you just go pick your pumpkins. And I'm sure it'll work with, I've done it before in my place here, and yep. uh, it works good with big stuff like pumpkins yep. or spaghetti squash. squash yep. You don't want to do it with cucumbers where you have to try and dig through grass to find your cucumbers. So. <laughs> yeah, That's amazing. For... You have to take some pictures and send them in to us later oh. in the season. Alrighty. Perfect. Have a good one. Thank Thanks you. for the call, Ron. All right, we have Steve out in Cabri on the line. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Your question. Um, yes, I, I uh, recently laid down uh, 9,300 square feet of uh, uh, sod, yep. and I had it all uh, lush green. It was as green as the greens on a golf course and stuff like that. All of a sudden, a big wide patch, a wide area of it uh, has died off or almost dead. I'm wondering what in the world would have made it go backwards so hard. 
backwards or hard is this two things would happen one is that if the if your water wasn't uh, consistent and covered the whole area like you get little strips you know the other thing is your soil underneath i had uh, some pictures of one before people had patches of like all of a sudden it was really weird green you know and you could see basically i told them because it was long it was an acreage and you could see it was basically where they dumped a, a, a load of soil and they spread it out and then you could see how the how it spread out from where they dumped the soil, and then so that that load of soil had, was different than the other loads of soil, and so it would, makes a huge difference on the color of your soil and what happens is the type of soil you have. But number one would be obviously would be how much topsoil is underneath there. If you only have a half an inch of topsoil, then you can get the the plant won't be able to it'll just dry out quicker than the other parts, right? Or right. your or your sprinklers aren't covering, uh, you know, head to head coverage. Okay, so uh, um, uh, pour the water to it harder. You're saying, and yep. they say affect the the soil content. Yeah, and also if, if you if you figure the soil is bad, then what you have to do is put a starter fertilizer. Like there's lots of lawn starter fertilizers out there, and okay. just put a starter fertilizer to give it some nutrients. If you think it's the soil, so you can always just pull up a piece because it's probably barely rooted yet. You know. And you right. can always see what's underneath there and just dig and see how much soil is underneath and be able to tell even if it's a clay soil or if it's topsoil there or whatever. Would you be able to use the groundkeeper um, fertilizer? Would that be a good starter yep. one? No, that'd be good because it's only a, it's only a 16 nitrogen and, mm-hmm. and has a ten, there's one with a 10 phosphorus, but there's one with a zero phosphorus. You want with the 10. You want with the 10. Yeah. Because the starter fertilizers have a, high, a higher second number as well. Okay. So, okay. Um, so starter I, fertilizer, you're saying? Yep, yeah, starter fertilizer or even the groundskeeper with phosphorus. Uh, but I would do, a, do a some investigations, pull some of that sod up, check the soil underneath, find out whether it's dry or wet, and maybe your sprinklers just need to be adjusted, you know? It could be just as simple as that. Okay, that sounds great. I will try that. Okay. Awesome. Thanks have so much for the day. call, Steve. Thanks, guys. Yep. Bye. All right. We have some texts we'll get to right now. Uh, this one is from Annette from Prince Albert. I have a prairie sensation apple tree. Yep. Should I be pruning off some of the small apples now? If so, how many? If you got, if you got a lots and lots, you can always thin them out so you get bigger apples. Prairie sensation has, is a nice big apple. It's developed by the University of Saskatchewan and it is a big apple and it's great. Even the Petrofica Bridge Orchard, they have them all out there, and they make beautiful apple mm-hmm. cider out of those things. And uh, so, but yeah, they get really big. But if you have a huge crop on them, then your apples will be smaller. So if you just thin them a little bit, then you can get them to be a lot. The more of them be a lot bigger. Now talking about apples, is it apple maggot time right now, or it's when should coming be? close? Usually toward the end of June and into July, that's when the apple maggots. So if you do have apple maggots out there, you want to put your lures out there or your fly traps and out. Now, if you do put your lures and fire fly traps out there, you're best to put them in a mesh because what happens, all these flies get caught on this, on these, even a, a fake apple where you put the tangle foot on them to make them sticky. But then the flies go on them and then the little wrens go there and try to get the flies and then the wrens get their little wings oh. caught on the apple thing. So I, you put a little mesh around it so the flies can get in, but the birds can't get at it. Perfect. Okay. okay, this text is from Bill in Prince Albert. We were talking about ashes earlier. Bill says, my dad always told me to put ashes on my garden plants when they come up. Yep. I've done it every year, and I've never had a problem with bugs at all. It works great on cabbages and kohlrabi. Yeah, perfect. very true. Now, what I think I like to people is to, to call it when they, when they either text in or call in, tell me what kind of ash they use. Yeah. Is it just fire plant offs like poplar or is it birch or is it, is, I'd like to figure out whether it's a different type of ash that, that would work better than others. That'd be interesting. 
Perfect. Okay, this text is from Cat in Saskatoon. My Carl Forrester reed grass is dead in the center. It's growing in a ring. I have five in a row, and they're all doing it. What's going on? It's just uh, it got a little bit of winter kiln in the center, and because that's the old root, right? Yeah. Sometimes what the best thing to do is in the spring is you you always cut your, your Carl Forrester down in the spring, right? The best thing to do is you cut it down in the spring, take your garden hose out there or a pail of water. And take a torch and make sure you cut it down first because you don't want a three-foot flame sticking up kids in the air, Kids, don't right? try this at home. Don't, yeah, kids, <laughs> this is for the adults only. And then burn, burn the grass, and then once it burns, just douse it with your pail of water, okay? Because then, you ever seen a grass fire out in the country? Yes. How nice the grass comes back green again? Yep. It's a natural way of rejuvenating the grass. Okay. But that's the one thing with the Carl Forster grass. I think that sometimes we don't cut it down low enough to the ground. And then eventually you get all this dead in the middle and it's easier for it to grow around the outside because there's, there's not as much that it needs to grow. It's like having a lawn you don't need thatch ever. Mm You just get a big, thick bunch of thatch, and then the grass doesn't grow very well through it. Yeah, so if you clean out that thatch, you're going to be a lot more successful. Awesome. Okay, one last text before we take a break. Good morning. I've noticed that my plant pots have been moving around my yard. My garden plants are being improperly pruned when I'm not home. I'm wondering if you could recommend a mother-in-law repellent that's effective but non-toxic. Oh, that's hilarious. Aw, lucky lady. I I got the perfect thing. I got the perfect thing. We have a sprinkler that you, you put out in by your pots there, and then it has a motion detector on it. So when she comes walking into her yard, it gives... It works great for deer and rabbits and everything else, right? Yeah, deer, rabbits, and mother-in-laws. It probably good for mother-in-laws as well. What a blessing, though, when you're away to be able to have someone who just comes in and does it, takes care of business. you got to look on the bright side. Exactly. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more of your questions. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning and happy Father's Day to all the dads out there listening. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. So we got a text from Jeanette. Jeanette's wondering if we can just share some general advice when it comes to fertilizing around your yard. So maybe you don't have a specific problem necessarily, but what kind of things should we be paying attention to so, when we're fertilizing? So your trees and shrubs all can be fertilized from basically Mother's Day until around July the 15th, okay? So you can do that with all. Some, especially um, your, in your, your trees, shrubs, uh, hydrangeas, all those kind of potentilla, spirea, doesn't matter, nine barks. Yeah, right up until July 15th. Some of the shrubs, you can go up to August 1st, okay, if they're a real blooming type of shrub. Your annuals, Jill, you can go right up until the frost hits them, right? Yeah, so annuals, you want to be fertilizing about once a week, especially wow. things that are in containers. Um, you're watering so often. And I'd use like a something with a lower phosphorus, like a 28-20 fertilizer. Or if you have something that needs to be reblooming, like your um, Gerber daisies or your geraniums, then I do like a 15-30-15 fertilizer. If you're wanting to use more organics, then make sure you use organics that are specified for that. The numbers, I don't mean as much on there. It's more the... Um, natural ingredients that are in them. So some things are formulated for flowering plants, some things are for formulated for transplanting, some things are formulated for vegetables and tomatoes. So just watch what they're formulated for if you're using organics. So why is fertilizing so important? You wow. know, when you're when you're in grade school, you learn like the plants take the sunlight and turn it turns into food. So 
So plants take the sunlight and turn it into food, but they also need the nutrients from the soil. And um, we don't have sometimes enough nutrients in our soil to sustain the plant growth, especially in the short season that we have. So it would be the equivalent of us maybe not eating ourselves. Um, we would tend to get more susceptible to disease. Um, we wouldn't grow as quickly. We wouldn't um, produce our, our fruit as well. So all those different things, if we're not fertilizing, we're not going to have a healthier plant, you're going to be more susceptible to those bad but things. Also, also promoting the health of your soil, back good bacteria in the soil. Mm-hmm. So when you put compost in that, you encourage good bacteria, and the bacteria are nibbling in all those composts. And then when the, basically those bacteria are also the roots of those of the plants are grabbing onto those bacteria and actually feeding you know, the bacteria are feeding the plant with all those micronutrients that are available. So you g- good health uh, health of the soil by putting humic into it and biochar and all the compost, all those kind of things is even better than just putting straight fertilizer in. Yeah. When you're thinking about, especially annuals, like a life cycle of an annual is to grow, to bloom, to produce seed and then to die. And so if we, especially some of these hybrid varieties, they're like super varieties that they, they, they're not producing the seed, but if we keep fertilizing them and we deadhead them and prune them, they're going to keep going right up until our freeze up if we keep fertilizing them. Um, and then we never talked about our perennials as yes. well too. So perennials, I usually would suggest like an all purpose 2020 fertilizer, or if you have something with blooms on it, doing a 15, 30, 15, that will just help with reblooming, especially with those daylilies and different things like that. But how about the house plants right now? Don't forget about those. Yeah, house plants are actively growing. They're not really actively growing in the winter time, so you're not fertilizing in the winter. So if you want to get some growth on your house plants, uh, you need to do it in the summer season. So a lot of times we forget about our house plants. So it's, it's daylight. We were driving home last night from Regina, and it was like daylight to like ten o'clock at night, yeah. right? Almost. So. so now is the time when you want to get some growth on them. And if you're not fertilizing this summer, you're basically gonna you're gonna have a lanky um, house plants. So fertilizing them a lot now because getting them going for when they start shutting down again in the winter is really important. So if there's someone who's out in the yard and garden, maybe just just starting with all of this stuff, are there some more like general use fertilizers that you would recommend? It can be expensive to go and buy all these really specific uh, kinds. Especially if you forget. Yeah. So there's lots of slow release fertilizers out there right now, organic ones as well as non-organic ones. And so you, you sprinkle around the pots. Like I, we put a bunch of pots out at my father father's uh, seniors care home. And we knew they probably wouldn't get fertilized. So we just sprinkled some slow release fertilizer on top of the pots after we planted them. And they look gorgeous right now because every time they're going out there and the seniors are watering them, they're actually getting a little bit of nutrients and no one has to try to remember, okay, who fertilized. Yeah, but that's a really good point, Brittany. And when you, before you go into the garden center, sometimes that fertilizer aisle can be really overwhelming. Sometimes I go through even, and I'm an expert and I go into that aisle and I'm like, oh gosh, there's even more varieties than there was last year. Um, this is a little bit overwhelming. So go in and, and see, say, what do I have in my yard? I have some trees. I have some fruit trees. I have a vegetable garden. I have some flowering plants. What do I need for fertilizer that would do the best for maybe multiple things? We might be able to cut it down to maybe two different types of fertilizer rather than five or six. Perfect. Okay, we have a text here from Lana from Eagle Lake. When I'm applying wood ash to a garden, would you actually spread the ashes on top of the plants and in the soil? How do you do this? Mostly on the soil, but the other guy was taking a fine dust and he was actually putting it right on top of the plants when he was trying to stop stop the the beetles and that from on top of the plants. So he was saying that he was putting a little fine dust on top of the plants, but you wouldn't be putting a whole bunch on top, just a fine... Whatever your fine dust from your wood ash, you can put a little bit on top, but otherwise most of it's in the soil. 
like I said before, sometimes that dark, a black color will attract the sunlight as well too and will burn the leaves of the plant. So if you put too much ash on, on your actual leaves of your plants, you might have some trouble with some sunlight. But everything in moderation, remember that too. So just yeah. a little bit it goes a long way. Yeah. Very true. All right, one last question for my friend Nicole. She has beautiful lilies in her front flower bed. Yes. The leaves look horrible they yeah. are all chewed she yep. thinks it's lily beetles yep, it is you lily showed beetles. us pictures what of those do? and like the lily leaves actually look clear in some places yeah, like they've, like the, they've, they've they're they've like the green out of them so yeah. um common issue you want to start early on in the season as soon as your leaves start coming up and start hunting for those little egg sacs and they're little orange egg sacs under the leaves and you want to sort of pick those off if you can and uh and then start spraying and spraying about every 10 to 14 days um with a product called bug x out and it's just a pyrethrin spray and you want to get spray upwards on the plant so that you're getting the underside of the leaf is really important if you already have buds and blooms on them you want to protect that i usually will just make like a cone with newspaper and protect it that way or also start getting spots on your flowers okay and because I love having time with you guys to ask my own questions. <laughs> um, I just transplanted my African violets mm -hmm. and must have been something with the soil that I used to transplant, but I'm pretty sure I have fungus gnats. They're mm -hmm. these tiny little black bugs that every time the plant moves, like a little cloud of them pops up and they are really gross. So how do I get rid of them? <laughs> really watch your watering. Um, you can increase some airflow, put a little fan nearby or even move that plant outside for a little bit of time and that will definitely help you. Now with African Violet, make sure you put it in a shady location, not out in the sun yep. um, and make sure if it's raining at all, they don't like water on their leaves. So protect it that way. Um, you can also <clears throat> do the little trick with an apple or a potato, set it on the soil. That will bring all the a, larva. A cut, a cut piece of potato. A cut piece yeah. of potato. It'll bring all the larva up to the surface and then you in the morning, I usually do that at night and and then in the morning, I would dispose of that as well as sort of scoop out the soil underneath it. All that larva is going to be drawn to the surface. So that gets rid of the different stages of the larva stage. And then you can use the sticky traps for the adults. Perfect. Okay. That's my, that's my homework for the week. Thank you guys so much. Happy Father's Day, Rick. Thank you very Happy much, Father's Brittany. Day, Dad. Thank you. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. And you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.